We've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hybe, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Hey, everybody. Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are, are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. If you'd like to get more involved in the conversation, join our Facebook group at Social Capital Network, a community of trust, reciprocity, and relationships. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn. This week's guest is Rock Thomas. With three decades as a life coach and self-made millionaire, Rock Thomas inspires people to live a life on their terms. From humble beginnings that started out on a farm just off the island of Montreal, Rock Thomas rode to the top to become a self-made millionaire, best-selling author, and host of the top-rated podcast, The Hashtag I Am Movement. For years, Rock traveled the world to study with Deepak Chopra, Anthony Robbins, Jack Canfield, Robert Kiyosaki, and more. With over 42 streams of income, Rock's mission is to teach others how to become financially free and live an epic life on their terms. Rock, welcome to the show. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be here too, because um, your background is something I'm definitely intrigued by. Um, you've got, you've definitely got some fascinating stories to share, and I'm sure our listeners are going to love what you have to say, but let's dive. I'm really fascinated with this 42 streams of income. Um, I mean, how just, I have one business (laughs) and, and trying to scale that is, is a challenge as, as we can all, um, appreciate, but how does one scale a business to, to get to 42 different levels of income? Well, uh, one at a time. <laughs> and, uh, you just do them kind of every six months, I guess, for, for 20, 21 years. But the reality is once you figure out what the system and processes are to, to, to do things, you're basically looking for talent. So I'm actually working on my 43rd stream right now, which is the solar business. And I have a current uh, small organization that does $10 million a year of sales. And we're going to scale that in 2021 to $100 million using the system and processes that I have done in my past businesses. So it's really about finding talent, creating a manual for training, because most people stumble in the training area. They don't know how to do it. We could talk about that in detail. And then making sure you have the empire builders and the empire protectors. The protectors are the finance people, the systems, the processes, and guarding the money. And the builders are the marketing and salespeople. And so you're probably wearing hats on both ends. It's frustrating because there's not one person I've met that flows in both of those dynamics. We were all meant for something. And that's why we do assessments, the disc model you may have heard of, things like that. Figure out which team you're on. Are you in the offense team or the defense team? Let's put you in the right place and let you flourish. And then the offense doesn't have to worry about defense and vice versa. That wow, um, yeah. Let's circle back to that the training and creating a manual for training. Um, I, I personally, I know I've I've tried <laughs> my best to do that, but what where do you see entrepreneurs um, failing in that area? 
Yeah. So when you get to be 58 like I am, you have gone through every trial and error. And eventually I decided to invest money in getting the experience from other people. I tried everything myself, but I got exhausted. So, you know, you buy a book for 20 bucks, you get somebody 20 or 30 years of experience. You take a course, you get the same thing. And what I learned is that uh, a process called me, we, they. What's the biggest mistake that small entrepreneurs do is they work until they're working 60, 70 hours a week and then they can't take it anymore. They find somebody like their unemployed cousin or their neighbor's daughter or whatever and they go help me out with some admin stuff. But they're so busy that they don't train them properly. They just, can you answer the phone? Can you send some emails? Can you do this? They do a poor job because they weren't trained properly. And then the solopreneur goes, nobody can do it like who? Me. <laughs> right. They pat themselves on the back. They tell their spouse, their family, how awesome they are. And how everybody else in the world just doesn't get them, understand their business model. And that they have to do everything on their own. They play a little bit the martyr sometimes. And then eventually they get burnt out over time. The solution is a step-by-step -step process of training called me, we, they. Would you like to know about it? Absolutely. So for instance, what, what do you think you're awesome at? And what part of your business that you really got it dialed in that you'd like to delegate? Oh, that I'd like, I was going one direction in my head. And then when you said that, like to delegate part, <laughs> I shifted yeah. real quick. Any part you want to delegate? Um, sales. Okay, great. So you do your own sales and can you do it? Like, are you doing it? Are you making a living? Yes. Right. So what you would do in that sales process, whatever it is on the phones or you're sending emails or you're talking to people at networking events or you're on Zoom call, whatever it is, you need to have the person you're going to hire that either has great sales experience, ideally already six figure income earner, because you don't want to necessarily start from the bottom because that'll be a long cycle. Mm -hmm. They need to witness you doing it. So in one of my businesses, we do Zoom calls and we, we call them directors of opportunity and they speak to people for about a half an hour and we have a script that they follow. But before they even get a chance to talk to one of our leads is they have to watch multiple recordings of me doing the call and enrolling people. Does that make sense? Yes. Yep. Then we do role playing with them. And then they jump on a call with one of our directors of opportunity and they just sit there quietly and watch. That's the me part. They watch me do it. They will watch you do it. And then you will do something called a CSI, Creative Suggestions for Improvement, which is after the call, you're going to ask them, so what did you think I did? That was great. What did you think I could do that needed improvement? And how could I have made it better? And once you go through that process over and over and over again, the person starts to become highly aware of how it works. And then you shift to the, not the me, but to the we. And that's where you say, hey, why don't you do that segment on product service or on refunds or on um, whatever it is? You break it down into pieces. Then you do the CSI with them. So you're like, hey, what did you think you did really well? And then you give them feedback, you discuss it until they get to a place where they can do it to the they part, where they can do it at the standard that you have set for your organization. Does that make sense? Oh, I love it. It sounds so simple. <laughs> it sounds simple. And why don't people do it is because they usually are so busy. They go, I don't, I can't take all that time. That's going to take me three months to train this person. Uh, 
Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> right? It does take time to get the right person. Plus, if you don't do an assessment, you don't understand people's behavior, like they're a high D or a high I, you don't know what that means, you can't, you don't have an INTJ, whatever, you're gonna probably put an offensive player on defense. So you may be really good at sales. Or you may not, but you're doing it because you're driven as a solopreneur to get it done because it needs to be done. Does that make sense? Oh, 100%. There are people that are good at sales and there are other people that are good at defense and they're better at administration and paperwork and systems and, and you know, technology. And so you got to make sure that the person's on the right team and then let them flourish by giving them the proper training. I love how you have the, the team, the offense, the defense. And, and I've always referred to, I mean, business as a game to some extent. There's strategy and there's players and there's competitors. So I, I like the language that you're using as you're illustrating all of this. Yeah. And then, you know, it, it takes money and resources to train people. And there's so many little nuances, right? If you take, again, those sports metaphor, I was playing baseball as a young man and I realized I was holding the baseball bat incorrectly. It's like you need to line your knuckles up or something like that. I forget what it is, but I wasn't holding it that way. And it lose, you lose about 30 or 40% of your power when you don't have the right grip. That tiny nuance, I could have gone for years trying to be a baseball player and not know that. When you're running a small business, we, we say, I say this to people, you should invest 10% of what you earn in getting better. So you need to have a budget for that. So let's say you make 100,000 a year, 10% needs to go back into hiring a coach, getting a mentor, um, getting a training, going to something that you learn about what your CRM is gonna do and how to do it better and is constant learning, which is tough for the solopreneur. So how do you make the leap from, you know, just making ends meet and working 60, 70 hours a week to adding that one person on your team plus getting training? And that's usually what holds people back and why so many people, you know, struggle for a long time and sometimes they quit and go back to, you know, making coffee at McDonald's or Starbucks. Yeah, I, I've heard that story numerous times where people have tried and then they get burnt out because they were doing it all themselves or, you know, there was the hurdles. They didn't know how to get over them. Um, so that's, I mean, sounds like you've, you offer a lot around mentorship and coaching and, and training. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you do to help businesses kind of overcome these hurdles? Yeah, for sure. So eight years ago, um, well, 20 years ago, I, I did my first Tony Robbins event and I fell in love with the power and impact that it had for me that I kept on going back and I hired him as a coach. I paid him hundred thousand um, dollars. I did 19 events in 19 months and I watched people's lives change. But when I started to do this for the last 20 years and 75 events later, I realized that it's about five to 8% of the population that can implement what they learn. Everybody else goes home in their environment supersedes their ability to apply what they learned. Does that make sense? Yes. Yep. You know, people are saying, oh, you'll never amount to much or that's too hard or careful. There's a real estate bubble or, you know, I know who you are really. You're a procrastinator and uh, or they're like, come on, why are you working so hard? Come on out for, you know, dinner. It's Betty's birthday. And, and so you get pulled back. So you've got to really protect your environment like an ecosystem and find people that are hard charging like you want to be or you are. And then it's easier to maintain a new normal. So I created a group eight years ago, a tribe of healthy, wealthy, generous people. 
that choose to lead epic lives and don't apologize for grabbing life big. And we gather people like yourself or other people that all want this dream life where they don't have to work all the time. They want to add value. They want to make an impact. They want to leave their mark or a legacy. And then we help refine each other because steel sharpens steel. And we have a culture of support and courage and challenge. So if you are in the group and you're like, hey, I'm trying to scale my business. Here's my challenge. You're going to get feedback from, you know, what is 350 people now? Um, not from all of them, but from some of them will comment and go, hey, have you tried this? Or, hey, this is what I did when I was at your stage. Um, here's a resource. Oh, talk to this person. So when you put yourself in that environment, it's a bit like if you're part of a a country club, like a golf or tennis or chess club or something, everybody has a mindfulness toward getting better at that particular craft. Ours just happens to be entrepreneurship and a strong mindset because the, the chains of habit are too weak to feel until they're too strong to break. And sadly, most people don't realize this until they're down the road and then they now have to try to break these, oh God, I, I'm a procrastinator, I sleep in, I'm not a morning person, I don't like technology, I'm not good with numbers. And they tell themselves this story that holds them back. Or if you're somebody like yourself, you're incredibly driven, you're gonna push through and get things done, but it starts to drain you because it's not your sweet spot. So we gotta get people into their sweet spot where they thrive, where they feel great about what they're doing, and they have enough leadership skills to add people to do the stuff they don't like. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm sold. (laughs) (laughs) I've created 66 whole life millionaires in the last four and a half years doing this. So we know what we're doing. It works. I say to people, you got to have the four C's. You got to be coachable, curious, committed, and creative. You got that. You bring that. We'll give you the rest. Um, you mentioned whole life millionaire. I know that's, um, some messaging that you've, you've got across your brand. Can you share with our listeners what, what exactly that is Define that for us? Yeah. So again, you know, uh, I'm in my late fifties, so I have a bit of experience. And what I noticed is that a lot of people, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs is food, shelter, clothing. Uh, they struggle to win the money game. We are a consumer society. We're not taught to earn to save. We're taught to earn to spend. So most people are living paycheck to paycheck. The average American makes $44,000 a year. Even if you're not a solopreneur and you're making 150 or 200, what the, the net is what counts. And for most people, it's not very much. So people struggle. They don't put money away. So they never can really retire. And for the few people that have said, you know what? I'm going to become a millionaire. Most of them have given up on their relationships or their health to get there because they had to go all in. I don't have time to work out. I don't have time to take the kids to soccer, et cetera, et cetera. So I said to myself, there's got to be a way that you can be healthy and you can have great relationships with your family, your friends, and your significant other, and you can be financially free. So I created a model for that and we tested it. And, you know, 66 people later, it's not a million people, but I think it's pretty good creating 66 millionaires. I don't know anybody else that can say they've done that. And it's, it's kind of like we're popping now like popcorn one or two a month because we have the system and the methodology. So it's really about this whole life having it all. Love it. I love it. You're, you're definitely speaking my language and I would imagine a number of the listeners as well have, you've captured their attention. 
Um, thank you for sharing all that information. So I'm, you've built this amazing community. Let's talk about networking a little bit and, and community and, and how relationships really help grow business. Um, that's the goal of my show here is to alleviate any fears that someone may have when they hear that word networking, because it can be construed as a scary word. So Rock, can you share with our listeners one of your favorite or most successful networking experiences that you've had? Yeah, sure. And by the way, I really believe that your net worth will only grow to the extent of your network. So I think if you look at your network as a place where you come to add value, you don't have to, have to be fearful around, oh, I'm coming to get something. I think that's partially what creates fear for some people. But I was at an event eight years ago, seven or eight years ago, and there was a speaker who was very dynamic. And I went up to him after the end of the event, like I do in a lot of situations when I see somebody that I can learn from. And I said, you know, I'm going to be, you live in Austin, Texas. I'm going to be there in a couple of weeks for a training. I'd love to spend some time with you and, um, you know, and hang out. And he goes, kind of looks me up and down, like, who the hell are you? And he goes, do you golf? And I said, yeah. And he goes, okay, come a day early and we'll golf. So we golfed, we became fast friends, and now we've started two or three businesses together. He's in real estate, I'm in real estate. We started one of our mastermind groups together. We've done investments in multifamily. And I'm very fortunate, he, um, he has gone on to become really wealthy. And so as an example, uh, on the 21st and 22nd of this month, he's flying in with his jet. I know it sounds pretentious, uh, picking me up. We're going to Pebble Beach to go golfing for two days and then come back here in Sarasota, and uh, sorry, in uh, Scottsdale and, um, and spend some time together masterminding on our next business project. Uh, we've shared some stock tips together. And the reason he's come, one of the reasons he's coming to pick me up is he says that last stock tip you, tip you gave me made me $48,000. So I think I owe you a trip. So this is the type of thing that can happen when you hang around people that are intentional around wealth and playing big and having fun. Um, but you know what? That was eight, eight, seven, eight years ago. We've grown together. We've contributed to each other's lives. So networking to me is, you know, I'll often call them up and I'll ask them, how can I add value? Who do you want to meet? I just did my, one of my podcasts. I met somebody really cool. W would you like to learn more about them? Uh, here's somebody you should be on their podcast. So I think the networking thing starts first with adding value, Lori. And I think people forget that. They usually come to get because they're trying to build something come to serve and to give, and you usually find that things will come back to you. I love that you just started this with, it was a speaker that you had some interest in and you, you asked if you could spend some time with them in their home state. So they didn't even have to go out of their way. Um, and it turned into an amazing lifetime relationship. It sounds like both professional and personal. Yes. hundred um, percent. It's exactly what it is. And, it's, and listen, um, I'm a little cheeky and precocious and I went up and, and you know, you got to have some presence and you got to be willing. When he looked at me, he could feel that I have life in me, right? That I, He's like, okay, this, this kid is hungry. I can see it in his eyes. So if you, if you go up and you're all timid and meek and you're not going to show that you're, you're willing to, you know, step up a little bit or to serve, then you may not get people's attention. And by the way, I've also, like I did with Tony Robbins, I asked the same thing. And he says, he essentially basically said to me, well, yeah, you can spend time with me, but you got to write me a check for a hundred grand. I'm like, okay, it was worth a try asking. <laughs> 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 Never <laughs> to ask, right? Just right. always go for the ask. 
And then I wrote him a check for a hundred thousand and I've gone to Italy with him and I've uh, worked out in his gym in Fiji and I have wonderful memories and, you know, I've gone on to work with him as well. So the 42 streams of income happened because I have a philosophy of stepping up wherever I am. A lot of people ask me, Lori, oh, but I don't know what my purpose is. And I go, here's the answer to that. If you don't know what your purpose is, wherever you are, play full out. If you work at McDonald's, sweep the floors really well, clean the toilets really well, ask your boss what else you can do, come in early, stay late, help out other people in another department. Like just add value, show up, be energetic, be playful, have life, give, serve. And then the opportunities come knocking on your door. The same guy, David, had an opportunity to get onto um, uh, the Celebrity Apprentice, the old Donald Trump story. Mm-hmm. And I'll spare the details, but I got on to Celebrity Apprentice because he called me up and he goes, do you want to jump on my plane and head to LA and, and come up with, raise some money? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So you got to say yes to things that are bigger than you and then figure out the details along the way. You can't wait for the opportunities to fall in your lap that are perfectly aligned and that are really easy and simple. It doesn't work with that way. Success is messy. Love it. Love it. I think that there's so many amazing things that you just shared. <laughs> but yeah, you're, that success is messy is probably a really big thing that jumps out because I think people have this vision of success being this very clear, shiny, you know, perfect world where the reality is you have to work hard. You have to be, um, be energetic and, and give. And that is part of the journey to success. Yeah. I mean, you know, I can, we're not talking a lot about my failures today, but I invested a million dollars in the stock market after selling one of my companies and I lost it all. I've loaned $200,000 to somebody and didn't do my due diligence and and lost it all plus more. Um, There have been some heartbreak stories, but every time I do something like that, I have a philosophy in life that you either win or you learn. You don't win and lose. So as much as it breaks my heart and I get, I have gotten incredibly angry and frustrated and mad at the world and blamed sometimes for a long, a lot longer than I should have. At the end of the day, I go, how do I turn this into a win? How do I turn this into a win? And the way you do that is you learn. So I've been to the school of hard knocks. I have an education of millions and millions of dollars. But if you're not willing to put yourself in that arena, you'll never get that education. So when COVID came along, guess what? I had businesses get knocked sideways. I had revenue go down $100,000. I had people that were renting my buildings, not paying. Long story short, this year has been my best year ever financially and all overall in all my companies. Why? Because I had the depth of emotional experience of what it's like to lose a million dollars. Yeah. So losing a couple hundred thousand dollars didn't traumatize my nervous system. And so don't downplay your defeats. Use them as now you've you've broadened your life experience. So if ever something like that happens again. You can handle it. And I'll give you an example, Lori, is sometimes I do these seminars and I, and I say to people, listen, you can work with me. Here's my $500 product. Here's my 5,000. Here's my 25,000. And I go, if you're not sure, just start with the 500. And some people are like, but I, I can't, I, I don't have the 500. And I say, if you are X, like 28, 38, and you can't make a $500 decision today, sorry, but how, how sad is that? That's pretty sad. 
We live in the greatest world, you know, world, um, country in the world, and you're in a, put yourself in a position, you're 35 and you can't make a $500 decision. But I bet you if you lose your phone, you're going to replace it somehow. Sure. So pe people put themselves in situations because they don't force themselves to get better. And yeah. I like to force myself to get better by putting myself in, in prickly situations. And then when the real prickly situation comes along, I can handle it. Yeah, yeah, right. The separation happens in the preparation. Um, with quite a vast network and, and community, how do you stay in front of and best nurture the relationships that you've created? Oh, boy. Um, I think that that's a tough one because uh, sometimes I go through my my the portholes, you know, Facebook and text and Instagram and DMs. And I feel like I could just circle through them over endlessly and create and keep relationships. So I have a couple of personal assistants now that manage a lot of the relationships up to a certain period of time. And eventually people understand that if you're going to have a conversation with Rock, it's going to have to pass certain levels of problem solving because it's, not, it's impossible to talk to everybody on every level for everything. Mm -hmm. So you just kind of grow to that place and, uh, and then people understand it. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, maximize. Well, and this is obviously what you, you preach and teach a lot is um, finding the right people, right. To handle certain jobs and tasks. Yeah. Talent, talent is probably the biggest problem that successful people have. And it's the biggest thing that struggling up, you know, upcoming people fail to recognize. So when I talk with, you know, my different buddies that are running big companies, their whole thing, it's all about, they're always looking for talent. And I used to hire the, I used to be proud that I paid people the least amount possible. And today, and I learned this story from one of my mentors is you can judge your success by how much you pay your people. So here's the example. You, maybe you pay uh, the person that works for you minimum wage. They cut your grass or whatever. Great. You got a couple of people working for you. Somebody cleans your house. Or you have a COO that you pay $280,000 a year to run one of your companies. That's pretty cool mm -hmm. because now they're generating a lot of value for you. So if you can't afford to have two or three or four people at that level, then you're probably doing a lot of the work still. Sure. Yeah, I get that. Rock, what advice would you offer the business professionals looking to grow their network? Um, you're one, you're one good hire from the next level in your company and you need to decide who that is. Is it going to be an admin person? Is it going to be, uh, an operations person or a salesperson or a marketing person? Uh, you may have to sub some people out and you can do that more and more today. So you could hire somebody remotely from the Philippines or what have you. But you, if you're, if you're going to grow, you got to take off another hat or two. But I would say the hat that you need to keep on is you need to be aware. And this is how I divide my businesses up into four areas, traffic or leads, nurturing of those leads or the funnel online, sales, that's creating a relationship with the leads and then identifying and giving them the right product or service, and then the fulfillment. And what most entrepreneurs are really good at is the fulfillment part. So they're like, you know, they teach people how to dance or they, you know, or have a restaurant and they're good at cooking the food. 
but they're not good at the other three parts. So decide what you're really good at. And even if you're not good at sales, you've got to keep a relationship with sales because sales is the lifeblood of your entire organization. Without sales, nothing happens. So you can't just delegate sales completely. And if you do, by the way, you're going to give up a lot of money because most people suck at sales. And if you're going to hire somebody, you're going to give up 20 to 50% of what comes in. Yeah, I, I believe that. I do. Even though it's not my favorite thing to do, but um, I won't ever give it up 100%. Yeah, and it could be just holding people accountable. Like I have sales teams in different companies, but I've you know we have a system of holding people accountable. Um, and it's in, crucially important when people, I say, how do you hold your pe- team accountable? Well, you know, we hold, they hold themselves accountable. Bullshit. Nobody holds himself accountable. Do you feel like getting up in the morning and taking a cold shower and doing 50 push-ups every day? And no, you don't. But when you're held accountable by a group, by an environment, by a challenge or what have you, then all of a sudden you step up and you grow. You do more than you would on your own. So you've got to have a reporting system. And that in of itself is an art. It's got to be done on, say, twice a week. It's got to be done reporting in versus reporting out. There's so many nuances. We're going to speak for a long time on this, but people need to be held accountable, especially in the arena of sales. And if you're the solopreneur, you need to be the rainmaker as far as I'm concerned. You can't just delegate it all. People want to see that you're contributing and you're bringing in business. 100%. Yeah. Um, Here's a little fun one. Uh, Rock, if you could go back to your 20-year-old self, what would you tell yourself to do more of, less of, or differently with regards to your professional career? Uh, drink less, um, <laughs> party less, mm-hmm. um, hang out with smarter people. I mean, I grew up as a farm boy in a town and I, I had very low self-esteem. Um, my brothers and sisters called me pizza face and told me I was ugly. And so I was really introverted. And, uh, so all I did was like, I drove a taxi and I, um, you know, I built decks, anything that really didn't have to do with having to be that much out there. Um, but what I would have learned differently is that as humans, we have seasons and there are seasons where you're going to be awesome. There are seasons where you're not going to be awesome. Um, you're going to go through a stage if you're married, where maybe you have young children and you're going to feel not as important in the relationship. Um, I didn't, I was not as, as patient as I could have been in relationships, I played sports and led the team. And if the, somebody dropped the ball two or three times, I wanted to kick them off the team. Like I was a little bit ruthless for standards because that's what I experienced growing up. So I would be a little bit more, I guess, compassionate and empathetic um, with the people of my life at a younger stage of my life. And I've learned that in the later years. Nice. Wow. I like that. Um, fascinating. There's the evolution at what point did you, I guess, or, or what season, um, what triggered your your shift in your professional career? You know, I just started to notice that um, I had a, bro- a lot of broken relationships. And for a while, I was like, oh, OK, well, that person's an asshole. Oh, well, that person's unreliable or that person's, un- you know, lazy. And then I kept on going, hmm, there's one common denominator in this whole thing. And that's me. <laughs> I'm like... Everywhere I go, there I am. (laughs) 
And so I started to realize, okay, well, what part am I taking in this process of broken relationships? And then I started to realize that I had, you know, stupid high levels of expectations and it was creating a lot of, um, you know, broken relationships. And I, so I started to go, okay, you know what? You can't just, cause somebody has a bad day or a bad week. You can't just fire them. Mm-hmm. You realize we're all variable and life happens. Where's, where's a little bit of flexibility. And so that took a long time to, because I'm a, you know, I was raised on a farm. The horses want to be fed, whether it rains or it's sunny or it's Christmas or your birthday or you're sick. So we learn to create a result every day on the farm, whether you feel like it or not. That was drilled into me. So I ran my businesses that way, which created incredible growth. But it also it also created some alienation with people that had a life like, oh, hey, I can't come in this week. My mom's sick. Okay. Next week, well, she's in the hospital. Okay, well, guess what? You don't have a job anymore. It was just so heartless of me. But that's what I grew up with, and that's all I knew. So over time, I started to increase my awareness, meditate more, do more yoga, and go, okay, there's another way to look at this life. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Totally. Love it. Um, yeah. And really great um, perspective and, and definitely eye-opening to kind of how – you decided to make some changes and obviously that's been extremely beneficial to, to take care of you a little bit and to help you move forward with your growth and successes. Yeah. And, and why the whole life millionaire? Because I had that experience. I damaged a lot of relationships on the way with my communication style, with my relentless desire to create results in business. And I damaged my health. And then I started to realize after my father passed away when I was 30 that I needed to exercise more, change my diet and not be so stressed out and be a little bit more playful and fun. And so as I made those shifts, I started to get success more effortlessly. And then I started to teach people. And then I started to get the nuances of, hey, hold on a second here. People I'm coming across have the same or similar limiting beliefs that I had about you can't have it all or life is really difficult or, you know, you got to have money to, to get rich. And, and so I started to teach into those things. And I thought, OK, they're, they're basically all served to us on a plate when we're born, but we don't have to eat from that plate anymore. There's other there's a other way to eat. There's a buffet of uh, I'm not going to say effortless, but of more elegant success. And when you start to hang around the people that are eating from that buffet, you know, the healthy side of the buffet, all of a sudden life is easier. It's more enjoyable. And today, you know, I, I have 42 streams of income and I tell you in one phrase, I'm going to take a business from 10 million to hundred million. There's not a part, there's not a cell in my body that doesn't believe that that's going to happen because I've, I've paid the price of learning what it takes and what the system is. And then it's rinse and repeat. It's not that difficult, even though if you're struggling as a solopreneur and you're like, I'm just trying to get myself, you know, a personal assistant. Well, that's your growth at that stage. And so you need to have some people around you that can look you in the eye, Lori, and say, you got this. Yes, you can do it. Hire that person. I know you're freaked out. What if you don't have enough work for them? What if you can't pay? You got this. But here's what you're going to need to do. You're going to need to double down on sales for a while, even though you don't love that. That's as you as the leader, you need to do that. And I'll walk you through how you get to the next level. And then two, three years down the road, you're going to have three or four people on your team and you're actually going to have a life. And so one of the biggest things for me, Lori, was I had somebody look me in the eye when I was 30 years old and say, you are a badass. 
You just have a shitty strategy. Hmm. You're coachable. I'm going to show you how you can go from farm boy to top notch salesperson. And I sold a hundred homes a year in real estate when the average realtor sells six. Wow. And that was because I was mentored by somebody that looked me square in the eye. And he says, I got you. I see you. And I'm going to build you if you're coachable. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. You just gave me like shivers. <laughs> um I always like to throw this out there and give you an opportunity to ask me a question. So, Rock, what is something you'd like to ask me? What's the biggest thing that's holding you back from getting to the next level of your life? That's a great question. I I very much believe that it's me. I'm getting in the way of myself with shiny objects and I want to do everything and, you know, help everyone. But I also know that's not the reality of being strategic and intentional with my, my time and resources. So what would be your, your game plan for 2021? What would that look like for you to um, hit some really outrageous goals? Like to say double whatever you're doing, what would that look like? Um, well, it would, it would look awesome as far as what I want to do with my business. I think, um, what I need to do is be less involved in every organization and networking group out there. And, um, it's having the right team behind me and making, and really trusting my team to do things the right way as you've spoke a lot about in this episode. Okay. And is there a belief, something like, I don't have the time or I don't have the money or I'm not the right person, or this isn't the right time for my product or service? Uh, is there any time. Oh. It's, I don't have the time is definitely my challenge, my own time management. Yeah. So that's what we call a time story. So we just need to change the time story because one thing we all have is 24 hours in a day, right? Mm-hmm. So totally. it really comes down to priority and maybe eliminating some of the shiny objects and then getting you um, focusing on the main thing, looking at what are your dollar productive activities, analyzing where you're really killing it. And most people don't measure what they do in a day. So they're like, okay, I'm just busy. I'm going to attack the day. I have a process called the Sunday system for success. And it teaches people how, how to save about 10 hours a week. And it's something I've been doing for 15 years. And I didn't realize how brilliant it was until people are asking me, well, how do you, how do you do so much? You're a dad, you got three kids, you coach, you run this business, you're starting another business, you stay in shape. I'm like, well, I just do this. Well, what is that? And I go, well, it's just my system. So then I put it into a seven step process. And now, you know, all the people I coach use it. And that's the feedback we get is about 10 hours a week back. That's awesome. Wow. Then I could actually take care of myself, <laughs> which I'm sure is a whole nother conversation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it kind of goes part, part and parcel, sure. but um, there are, you know, when you look at being prepared for something and showing up prepared, you're more calm, you're more relaxed, you get better results. So it's a little bit, like I said before, the, sep the you know, the separation happens in the preparation. But the preparation doesn't happen when you're overwhelmed because you tell yourself a story that I don't have time to plan and I'm, I, I got to knock this, I got to do that. So it's a little bit of a vicious cycle. Yep. So we have to 
break people out of that and give them a new context. And so you listen to some of the testimonials on the video training and you're like, okay, yeah, that's me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, they were like that too. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of similarities that people can break through. I'm sure. Um, thank you. Those are great questions and, and really made me think about um, some of the things that I definitely need to be working on. Um, Rock, do you have any final word or advice to offer our listeners with regards to growing and supporting your network? Um, I, you know, I think look for the people that excite you when you talk to them or see them or uh, and go up and try to either add value or be part of their ecosystem. You've got to invest in yourself. You know, we teach 10% of whatever you earn needs to be reinvested in education, mentorship, products, services, um, learning about how to do your job better in a fast paced changing world like we have today is constant learning. And, you know, if you if you can't afford to invest in that, then you need to invest in, um, you know, like add value. Do I hang out with somebody add value, pick up their dry cleaning, uh, bring them a coffee, uh, offer to hang out with them and do things and learn from just being in their environment. So one or the other, but get around people that have the result that you want, learn from them and turn decades into days. Love that. Fantastic. Rock, if anyone was interested in getting in contact with you or learning more about your, um, your offerings, what's the best way that they can get in touch with you? So I got a gift for your listeners. They can go to rockthomas.com, free book, rockthomas.com, free book. And um, and they can get hold of me that way, have a uh, an experience with the book I wrote that are the 10 habits um, that allowed me to become a millionaire. And I believe that when you follow these rules, you will accelerate your success. And when you break those rules, you'll experience pain on your journey towards success as a whole life millionaire. So whether it be your health or your wealth or relationships, they're universal principles that I've kind of gleamed after doing this for 30 years. So that's the best way. I've got a cool YouTube channel if you want to learn for free. Um, you know, with COVID, I decided to really take the classroom to the YouTube so they can do that. And of course, I've got my podcast, Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. They can listen to as well. Love it. All right. We will include all that information in our show notes. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. My pleasure. You, you shared some fantastic insights and definitely got me intrigued. Um, all right. This wraps up our episode of Social Capital. A huge thank you to Rock for taking the time to connect with us. If you want to continue the conversation on networking, feel free to join our Facebook group. Just search for Social Capital Network. If you need me, send an email to Lori at socialcapitalpodcast.com. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.